it's not all about Afghanistan. Coronavirus is still apparently here. Well, the idiotic mandates are. We're talking about that tonight. And yes, the Afghanistan fallout's getting worse. All that's coming up on I'm Right. We live in a distracted time. You and I. You get distracted. I get distracted. People at large get distracted. It's very hard to do something these days, harder now than it has ever been in history. What is that something? Focus. Focus. Keeping focus on things. And that's not your fault. It's not my fault. We live in a time where we're more technologically advanced than ever. And so huge, life-changing, world-altering stories come and park themselves in our living room every day. And then by lunch, that story left already, and there's a new, huge, world-altering story parking itself right in the middle of our living room. And it's really interesting. And then it moves a lot. You see what I'm going? Endless. And so you and I, we tend to lack focus because that's the environment we live in. How, how long would it take you to access 10 different major stories on your phone if I were to say, go and do that right now? Not long, right? What's the hot news out there today? Same as it was yesterday. We went over it for a long time last night. Afghanistan. And yes, I'm going to talk about Afghanistan quite a bit tonight. However, let's pause for just a moment. I wanted to go a slightly different direction tonight to open up the show. Afghanistan sucks. I know it does. Sad. What the people are going through over there is sad. What the women are going to go through is sad. Obviously terrible beyond belief. For us as a nation, it's embarrassing. Nobody likes to be embarrassed. Most people, if given the choice, would be physically whipped before they were embarrassed. It's one of those human emotions that just destroys us. right? So as a nation, we're embarrassed right now. That is, of course, leading to anger. A great deal of it. Anger from all of us. Anger at... Biden, anger at really all the politicians, anger at the generals, angry, anger at the intelligence community. And all that's warranted, and we're going to talk about that tonight. Embarrassment, anger, Afghanistan. However, you and I have to make sure we're maintaining our focus. Yes, Afghanistan is going to descend into an absolute disaster now. But we, the United States of America, have, frankly, much, much, much bigger fish to fry, and they're right here at home. You and I have witnessed, experienced, a year-and-a-half-long assault on our personal liberty. And all the people who've been doing the assaulting, they're still going. They're not tired. They're not slowing down. They're not backing off. They're not admitting they did something wrong. They are as all-in as they've ever been. And so we're, we're always going to talk about major issues here on I'm Right, always. But we're not going to stop talking about coronavirus mandates, about lockdowns, vaccine passports, your freedom, the power these politicians have over you and the power they're asserting over you they don't really have. I mean, the international community is a great example right now. Have you seen this? Have you seen what's going on? in places like Australia? There will be no removal of masks to consume alcohol outdoors. So you will no longer be able to remove your mask to drink a cocktail uh, at a pop-up beer garden on a footpath uh, as part of a pub crawl. 
I'm sorry? Maybe maybe it's the accent. Maybe something got lost in translation. I would have swore he just said, you can't have a beer outside without your mask on? Well, I mean, things must be really dire, right? After all, it's a deadly virus. How dire are they? Well, the daily average of COVID deaths in Australia is three people. The average cases, 395. That's a death rate of 0.007 amongst people who have coronavirus and a death rate of 0.000012 for the entire population of Australia. In a country where everything can kill you, they're destroying themselves for coronavirus. Don't think it's only Australia, though. You see, New Zealand, they've come out, and they've essentially said, my goodness, we need a one-week lockdown. This outbreak is so bad. I mean, it's a pandemic. It's everywhere. We have to lock down the whole country for one day, or for one week. And so you're probably saying to yourself, oh, man, how bad is it there? How many cases? Are people dying in droves? I'm glad you brought that up. One case. I'm not making that up. One case. A 58-year-old man got coronavirus. Now the entire country is locked down for a week. Seems insane, right? Hold on to that thought. Hold on to that thought. We're not done yet because we're going to bring that right here at home in just a moment. What's it like in New Zealand? What are they saying there? And I want you to pay attention here. I'm bringing up foreign countries for a reason first. Pay attention. Listen to what they're saying there. Stay local and do not congregate. Don't talk to your neighbours. Please keep to your bubbles. It comes down again to those very simple principles. We know from overseas uh, cases of the Delta variant that it can be spread by people simply walking past one another. So keep those movements outside to the bare minimum. Wear a mask and make sure you keep up that physical distancing. To the bare minimum. I'm sorry, I had to do it. I, I know it's immature, I had to do it. Well, that's crazy, right? But woo, Jesse, thank goodness that can't happen here. Oh, well, it's funny you brought that up. Hawaii's lieutenant governor said the unvaccinated, of course it's your fault, haven't you heard? The unvaccinated, they may cause another lockdown. Don't you love these constant threats from the government, from the various people who are elected to serve you? Look, <laughs> you, won't, you won't do what you're told. I guess I'm going to have to hurt you. Definitely sounds like a free, free people, right? We're, we're very free here, aren't we? Are we? The most important city in America and probably the most important city in the world is New York City. They're a very big deal. You don't have to love New York City. You, you can hate it. I don't care. It's a very important city. You know what they have now? Vaccine passports, effective today. Effective today in the most important city in the world. You must show a vaccine passport to go to theaters, concerts, museums, stadiums, bowling alleys, casinos, restaurants, hotels, bars, grocery stores, coffee shops, gyms, pools, and a lot more. We're trying to list it all for you. The show take an hour. Oh, yes, cabarets as well. Just a heads up for you there. You see, if you're not vaccinated, if you don't have a vaccine passport on your telephone, you can no longer live normal life in the most important city in the world. And yes, as I warned you about, it's already spreading. Cities like New Orleans and San Francisco are following suit because leadership matters a lot. You still worried about Afghanistan? No, I'm sure you are somewhat, and that's understandable, but... Let's try to maintain some focus here. 
Let's try to remember, this person you're about to hear speaking is the mayor of the most important city in the world. This is absolutely strategic to say to people to fully participate in the life of the city and to love and enjoy this city, go get vaccinated. Uh, we believe it's going to make a huge impact. We're obviously seeing a real uptick in vaccinations already. We made a decision weeks and weeks ago. The whole ball game is vaccination. And once you make that kind of profound strategic decision, you throw everything you got at it. Uh, we are not interested in half measures. We're interested in vaccination. So making vaccination something that allows you to enjoy all that's good in life. Don't you want to enjoy all that's good in life? Don't you want to go out to eat? Maybe go to a concert with your old lady? Maybe you want to take your hubby shopping at one of the New York shops. Don't you want to enjoy what's good in life? Well, look, then you have to do what you're told. I mean, land of the free. You have to do what you're told, and then you're allowed to enjoy it. We'll allow you. We'll give you permission to enjoy it. Without it, you don't have permission. Oh, he also announced earlier today, maybe facing a seven-year jail sentence for false vaccine passports. So they mean business. And remember, you just heard him right there. He's not apologizing. He's not hemming and hawing around it. Well, I mean, it kind of it made me uncomfortable, but we had to do it. He said, this is flat out. This is very purposeful. It's what we're doing. Of course, you have some people protesting. That crowd is way, way, way too small. There should be a lot more people than that, but good for them for going out protesting. And so here's, here's what maybe you're going through right now. And if you are going through this, I don't want you to feel bad about yourself. This is human nature because I see a lot of this. And I see a lot of this on the right, actually. We know the communists are going to go along. I see a lot of this on the right. Oh, Je Jesse, I'm just tired. Man, I've, I want to go out to eat. I, I want to take, take my wife out and, and I want to go do this. And I, I tell you what, man, I'm just, I'm just going to go get it done. I mean, I have this to do and that to do. I'm just... I'm going to bite the bullet. I don't want to do it. And I'm just going to get it done. And then they'll, then they'll let me go. Then they're going to let me go. And then, then they'll fi I'll finally be free again if I just do this one more thing. You can get vaccinated. Don't get vaccinated. I don't care. You do what you want to do with your body and your life. All right? But here's something you can't do. You can't lie to yourself like that and convince yourself there is some hurdle you just have to leap, and then they'll hand you your freedom back. This never ends. This never ends until you stop complying, ever. If you're complying so they'll allow you to do certain things, you're contributing to it. I mean, we have it right here. White House is set to announce people with the COVID vaccine. They need to receive a booster shot eight months after becoming fully vaccinated. You didn't actually think those two jabs were going to be the end of it, did you? Did you? If you did, stop. Stop. You don't have to beat yourself up, but now's the time to wake up, grow up, and accept what you're facing. This has nothing to do with an unbelievably survivable virus. This has everything to do with controlling you, controlling your elections, controlling your freedom. And this has everything to do with scumbag politicians like Bill de Blasio getting off making you do certain things. Bill de Blasio is not worried about coronavirus. 
Oh, but if you are, it should be noted, if you are worried about coronavirus, you might be a terrorist. That's right. Department of Homeland Security, they have upgraded the terrorist, terrorist awareness alert in the country. What are they worried about? Quote, people who are angered with public health safety measures and perceived government restrictions. That was the bullet point announced because we're approaching the 20th anniversary of September 11th. DHS is out there. They're on the lookout for terrorists. It is the 20th anniversary after all. And who are those terrorists? Who are they? Well, you. Didn't you know that? If you've been watching this show, you know that. They're not out there looking for radical Islamic terrorists. They're not out there looking for Hamas or Al-Qaeda. They're not out there looking for Boko Haram. They're not out there looking for Antifa. They're not out there looking for Black Lives Matter. They're out there looking for opponents of the regime. That's the truth. You don't want to accept it. We'll talk all day long about vaccines and the Taliban. We'll talk about Afghanistan and the Taliban and how horrible they are. Your government's a broken, rotted out disgrace that's busy trying to make you an enemy of the state. And that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. We have more on Afghanistan. We'll actually cover Afghanistan next. But first and foremost, it's hard to quit dipping. And if you're a dipper, there's a chance you've already gotten to the place where you've thought about quitting. Maybe you've tried a few times and you've given up. And I, th- I say there's a chance you've gotten to that place because I did. I mean, I tried the patch and gum and sunflower seeds and everything. And at one point, I just gave up. I said, look, I'm just going to dip forever. I'll dip till I die. And then Jake's Mint Chew came along. Jake's Mint Chew, it's the only thing that allowed me to keep that routine. You want that dip after your meal? Throw that dip in. Make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. 11 different flavors of long cut, four different flavors of the CBD pouches, which I really recommend. It helps take the edge off. And you can maintain the routine without tobacco, without nicotine, without sugar. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. We got Afghanistan talk next. We plan for every contingency, but I always promise the American people that I will be straight with you. The truth is, this did unfold more quickly than we had anticipated. So what's happened? Afghanistan political leaders gave up and fled the country. The Afghan military collapsed. Oh, so you didn't plan for every contingency. That was Joe Biden yesterday. And what I saw a lot from yesterday was I saw a lot of shock and outrage about Joe Biden's speech. They were shocked. People were shocked he was on vacation to begin with, had to get shamed into coming back from vacation, gave a 10-minute speech, took no questions, and then promptly went right back to vacation. Shocking. We are currently being embarrassed internationally on the world stage, and people were shocked. I kept hearing that word, shock, shock, shock. They were shocked he blamed Donald Trump. When I came into office, I inherited a deal that President Trump negotiated with the Taliban. Under his agreement, U.S. forces would be out of Afghanistan by May 1, 2021, just a little over three months after I took office. The choice I had to make as your president 
was either to follow through on that agreement or be prepared to go back to fighting the Taliban in the middle of the spring fighting season. So it's not his fault either. And people were shocked about that. Here's my question. Why are you shocked? Why are you shocked? You and I have to do something. And I'm right there with you, but you and I have to do something, all right? We have to start adjusting our expectation levels. If I was a single dude and I, I was going out on a blind date and I found out she regularly marches with feminists, I'm going to adjust the expectation levels on what I'm going to see when I get to that blind date. Am I not? Am I not? You need to start adjusting your expectation levels in ways that are going to make you uncomfortable. So do I. Okay, so we have a president who's shockingly incompetent, half-functional, and not a leader who takes responsibility. Yeah, that's what late-stage empires have. We have a United States military that's run by a bunch of generals who are only interested in either remaining generals or going to sit on the board with a defense contractor where they make a million dollars a year. Not a bunch of patriots who would lay down their lives for this country. Okay, that sucks. That's what late-stage empires have. We have a CIA broken, an FBI interested in making you a domestic terrorist, not stopping real terrorists. We have everything right now broken and rotted. That sucks. That sucks. But it is where we are. Let us resolve from today forward. We're going to stop being shocked. We're going to set our expectations exactly where they should be, criminally low. Because look, we don't have patriots running any of our cultural institutions anymore. And who's been telling you about that? Who? Who's been warning you about this for a long time, long before Afghanistan fell? Who's been warning you about it? I have. What have I been telling you? Your parents, your grandparents, they dealt with cultural Marxism in their institutions. It was always sprinkled in. This guy here, this head of that department there, this guy here. It's been here for a long time. It's been here for a long time. Your parents, grandparents dealt with it sprinkled in. You have a much different situation on your hands. You have anti-American cultural Marxists woven into each and every cultural institution, cultural pillar on which your nation rests. The system is completely rotted and crumbling. It is really, really bad right now. You don't have patriots in your corporations. You don't have them in the White House. You don't have them at the CIA, FBI. You don't have them at the top of your military. You have a bunch of rotted out fools interested in lining their own pockets with no interest whatsoever in salvaging the United States of America and turning this thing around. I didn't intend for this to come off so harshly, but it's time for you and I to be grown-ups and accept the reality in which we live, not the reality we want to live. My goodness, Biden embarrassed himself yesterday. This is what Nicole Wallace at MSNBC had to say about it. Um, 95% of the American people will agree with everything he just said. 95% of the press covering this White House will disagree. And for an American president 
to finally be completely aligned with such an overwhelming majority of what the American people think about Afghanistan is probably a tremendous relief to the American people. It's a tremendous relief, except we have numbers today over 70% of independents hated every minute of the speech. Again, you can't find truth in the media anymore either. You can't sift through it. They're not media. They're mouthpieces for the, for the regime. MSNBC had a Taliban spokesperson on yesterday, one-on-one -on -one with the Taliban. I'm not, I'm not making this up. And, and just to clarify something, yes, that means the Taliban have officially taken more questions about Afghanistan than the president of the United States of America. Allow me to repeat that one more time in case you missed it. The Taliban, they have a spokesman who's taken more questions about Afghanistan than the president of the United States of America. That can and should anger you very much. You should feel embarrassed on behalf of your nation because we look terrible to the rest of the world right now. There's not a way to put it. All those things are true. However, it shouldn't shock you. At least from this point forward, stop letting this stuff shock you. This is what we have now, rot, woven throughout every level of every organization. And right now, I've got one more bitter pill for you to swallow before I move on. Don't think that the Biden team right now is hunkered down thinking to themselves, oh, we made a mistake. How do we fix the mistake? We want to do right by our troops and we want to do... They're thinking right now, ooh, we made a political error. Should we ride this out for 72 hours? Then we'll get back to coronavirus, huh? They're not sitting down having an honest self-assessment about their mistakes. They're worried about how to overcome a little bad press and move on. That tells you everything you need to know about who runs this country now. I know that also made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Now, you need better gear. Northwest Retention Systems has that better gear. Why? Because it's custom made. It's custom made by Americans, I might add, right here in America. Your holster isn't just a pouch. It must perform. And not the day you buy it. All holsters work fine the day you buy them. What's it look like three, four years from now? Sun, heat, cold, rain. What's it look like? How's it hold up when the worst moment happens and you have to draw that weapon you carry on you? Go to Northwest Retention Systems now. They're more than just the coolest designs out there. They have the best quality I've ever seen in my life. Go to nwretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That'll get you 10% off. We'll be right back with Jimmy Graham, Navy SEAL, next. No U.S. actions being taken to prevent equipment from falling into the hands of the Taliban by destroying it or anything else? I don't have the, the answer to that question. You don't have the answer? I'm sorry? That, maybe I have something in my ears. I would have swore that was just a major general, a logistics officer, actually, trying to walk away from the question of how the Taliban, who we've been fighting for 20 years, now have all of our stuff. Joining me now to talk about that and other things is Jimmy Graham, veteran Navy SEAL, CIA protective officer, a guy who basically knows a thing or two about all this. Jimmy, uh, look, Americans always want to think the best about their military. They still feel the best about their guys actually on the ground, the real ground pounders. They have major questions now, understandably so, about our military leadership. The politicians aside, what is going on with the generals? 
Well, I wish I knew. You know, I say the, the uh, problem is never the troops. Um, I was, you know, I was in, uh, I was the team lead in Benghazi, Libya, three weeks prior to the events that unfolded there that turned into the movie 13 Hours. And, uh, you know, I've talked to folks that have been part of the, the, uh, the, the organizations, the units that were on the, the airfields ready to deploy to come rescue those that needed them in Benghazi, Libya. And I say it's never the troops. The troops are eager, they're trained, they're ready, they're patriotic, they're ready to step in, but they have to get the green light. And that's that's a bigger deal. That's the leadership all the way up to the White House, but it's never the troops. Jimmy, well, on that same note then, it seems like our guys on the ground, I can't tell you how many brothers of mine uh, served in Afghanistan and they're just torn up something fierce watching what, what's happening and they feel cheated by not just the politicians, by their own leadership. It seems like we're not doing our guys on the ground right and haven't done them right in a long time, man. Yeah, that's correct. It's it's uh, it's uh, it's unfortunate. One thing that I would warn, because I've been hearing the same things, I've been talking to corporations. You know, I've been worked for the. I was in the SEAL teams, then I was in the CIA, and then you know, uh, now I'm a businessman. And one thing that I, I warn against is repeating this phrase: "It was all for nothing. We lost everybody for nothing." That's that robs people of honor, and it's it's unhealthy. It's destructive. Uh, this gentleman was asking me about, hey, I've got a veterans group, and they're just their 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 heads are low. All this other stuff. Don't repeat that stuff. They can say whatever we want, but when we repeat it, we condone it. So don't try to steal that honor from those people. The fact that we're breathing clean air here in America, free air, I mean, uh, means that it was for something. You know, it's like a false summit. If you've ever been in the mountains or been, you know, orienteering, you think you're taking the summit, and just when you get there, you realize I wasn't to the top yet. That's that's how this game is played. Maybe the... Maybe the worst feeling in the world, I should know. Talk about tearing the guts right out of you when you feel like you have reached the summit and you have not. But that's another story entirely. All right, obviously, as somebody who was in Benghazi, I have to ask, you've seen the, uh, I'll I'll say crap show because we're on a family-friendly show. You've seen it as bad as it gets. How does this compare? So it's, you know, it's absolutely horrible, the, the, uh, the fact that there's a game plan in every one of these places. So Benghazi, Libya, you know, uh, all the places I've been, I've, I've got a picture of myself standing in Kabul, Afghanistan. I've been there and I know that there's contingency plans for evacuating non-combatant evacuation operations, they call them NEOs. Uh, there's a plan to do all this stuff in Benghazi under that administration that simply didn't happen. Like I said, the people were waiting, the soldiers were waiting to come. There's not a more honorable mission than to go save Americans. So they're chomping at the bit ready to go. But again, it's hard to explain to people here in the United States when we are living in luxury. And I say that no matter where you are, comparatively, uh, globally, we are living in luxury. So we don't speak that language. We don't speak hard anymore. That's all they speak in Afghanistan is hard. They've been hardened by war. Uh, Now you take it a step further into luxury is our politician and the high up leaders. You talk about luxury, you know, some of those people never knew hard ever. They never worked their way up through, you know, whatever. Some of them did, some of them didn't. But the further you get away from that, the more you don't relate to the likes of the Taliban. All right, I have to play a video for you. This one was a jaw dropper for me, the, the level of incompetence. But here, here's John Kirby from today, Jimmy. Yes, sir. Uh, I don't want to set the expectation that uh, that we are equipped and, and, uh, and able uh, to go out into the countryside and physically move people into Kabul. Our focus right now, the troops that we have there are at the airport. The idea is to make sure we can get that uh, the air operations not only have they resumed, but to keep them in place for as long as possible. If they can't get to the airport, what does it matter if you have the capabilities to get them out from the airport. Yeah, John, I understand that. And we all understand that the security situation in Kabul is not ideal. 
Okay, it's Jimmy, I, 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 I just am at a loss as, as to how this could possibly be happening. We yanked all the troops out before executing the evacuation plan you say they always have in place. And from what I understand on the ground, they did. They had several in place. They had a list. They knew where the people were, and they just chose not to execute it. How do these things happen? How does this happen? Man, I said on a, on a previous interview is, uh, you know, I'm a businessman. And if I'm going to fly out of state and uh, that's my plan and I've got a ticket and I'm going and people are counting on me and there's a threat on my family and my loved ones, guess who's not going out of town? You know, I'm going to set a new date. <laughs> yes, I did have a date set. And yes, I committed to that date. And yes, I paid money for that date. But my love for my family and my friends is going to overrule all the money that I lost. And we're going to figure this out together. So, you know, as a businessman building relationships every single day, this is a bad precedent to set. You partner with me and I leave you when it's tough. That's, that's a guy going out of business. That's, a, that's how you lose a nation. So that credibility, the people were heading to uh, Kabul, Afghanistan for what? Because they believed in America. Now they're heading out of there because we're flying out of there and they're about to die. So that's going to be remembered for generations and it's, it's destructive. What do we do now to get them out? We have five to 10,000 people, they say, dispersed everywhere. Lord willing, we are not just going to leave them there to die or be hostages of the Taliban. But now we have a much different foothold in the country than we had even a month ago. What exactly do you do now to get them out? Wow, exactly is a tough term. So uh, exactly, I'll be honest and say I don't know, but the answer is something. You figure it out and you got some of the brightest minds and the strongest military this planet has ever seen. So you do something and you get it figured out and you go in there with force if necessary and we don't run from evil. So I think that the precedent we just set is that, you know, that America tucks its tail between its legs and runs out of there and thank you for letting us do it. That's not a position of strength. So we must do something to help these people. Um, and we can, you know, that, that uh, you know, we were, I was talking about this earlier <clears throat> on a, a separate show is that uh, you can I understand we have to leave. We must leave at some point. Um, and if that's the place you do it, you do it in a position of strength. But what just happened when it's translated into their language, the language that they speak was cowardice. We just skinnied out of here and, uh, you know, as, as a man, as a grown man on this earth now that, that uh, has a business and has uh, four children and a wife, um, I am thankful that these wars are fought over there. So we can run back home if we want, but that next uh, uh, battle will be fought on the streets of Castle Rock where I live. And that's not good. That's not an option for me. No, it's not. Jimmy Graham, thank you so much. Semper Fi, brother. Blessings. Take care. All right. Do you own a home? If you own a home, please listen to me. Your home title, it is online. And home title theft is the cybercrime that is sweeping the United States of America. The FBI is gravely concerned about it because they can't seem to get a handle on it. And these guys, they hack into your home title. They forge your signature on it. Take one, two, three, four loans out against it. Soon you're being evicted from your home. You might already be a victim of this and you wouldn't know. Go to HomeTitleLock.com because they have a free offer right now. For free. You can put in your address on HomeTitleLock.com. They'll tell you if you're already a victim of it. While you're there, sign up. Sign up because, look, you don't want to go through what I went through. Believe me on that. HomeTitleLock.com. Go sign up today. All right. We got Inez Stepman next. Hang on. In case you were worried that we were run by serious people in this country, I'm going to play you a clip. You're going to say, Jesse, that's from Saturday Night Live or something. On my life. On my life. 
This is the United States State Department speaking about the Taliban. The UN Security Council issued a joint press statement earlier today calling for a new government that is united, inclusive, and representative, including with the full and, full and meaningful participation of women. Joining me now to talk about that is the senior poly, policy analyst for the Independent Women's Forum, my friend Inez Stepman. Inez, I just I don't have a better way to describe it. These people are children who do not reside in this thing we call the real world. How did we get these people in government? Yeah, it's um, it's completely idiotic, and uh, <laughs> don't really have any other words for it. Um, but this is what happens when you hand over governance to people who actually haven't suffered any of the consequences of their decision-making or, or been held accountable for it for 30 years. Um, and, and I think that, that like, we all knew, for example, that political cult consultants jump from campaign to campaign, no matter how terribly they've failed in running a campaign, like Jeb Bush's campaign manager made like a million bucks in 2016, right? Um, yeah. But the problem is that model is not limited to political consultants. It's literally millions of bureaucrats in Washington, D.C., including in the Pentagon and the higher ranks of the military. Okay, and as I'm going to get back to Biden and his messaging in Afghanistan in a moment, but this just, it, it, I can't let this go. On a macro level, you're so good at this stuff. How did this happen? Is this just par for the course for late-stage empires? They just end up run by morons is this an education system problem i know you're always hot on that as am i what what happened how did we end up with these people these people run our military they run the cia they run the fbi we're run by losers how did that happen yeah i mean look that's that's really i think the the most difficult thing to accept um I think a lot of people on the right, we thought that the idiocy and this kind of total and complete incompetence was confined to, you know, certain certain institutions, right? We knew that the media was full of incompetence and idiots who weren't going to be held responsible for any real world consequences of their actions. We knew that, of course, the academy was graduating. Um, that means universities are graduating ranks and ranks of these like lunatics and and people, more importantly, people who have, have never um, actually, again, faced any consequences. Their job is essentially, you know, to to write the narrative um, and, and they don't actually face real world consequences for doing so. Uh, but I think the, the really disappointing and, and dispiriting thing um, for people on the right has been the realization over the past four to five years, culminating now with these these images we're seeing out of Kabul, that in fact, we thought the military was kind of exempt from this, right? I mean, if you look at long-term trust polls of the American people in their various institutions, everything has been underwater for a very long time from all the branches of the government um, to the media um, and, and to uh, even, even churches, for example, the police. Um, but the two bright spots in terms of institutional trust were small businesses, um, which have been devastated in the last year and a half, and the military, uh, and particularly people on the right, had enormous amount of faith in the U.S. military, in our intelligence services, in, in the CIA, and then domestically, um, the FBI. Those We thought that those were the quote-unquote serious people. And of course, many of the people who are actually suffering the consequences, the troops on the ground, um, and, and, and the lower ranks of the military, they are serious people. But it, it, it seems like completely undeniable after this 
force of, of um, regardless of what you think, even if you think withdrawal, like I think actually was the right response here in Afghanistan. But how is it that our intelligence services said that this would take 90 days and it took two or three, right? How is that kind of incompetence possible? How is it that we didn't evacuate? We evacuated our base before we evacuated American citizens or Afghans that fought alongside us. We, it's completely disorganized. How is it that the Taliban is doing donuts in our Humvees, right? Like um, these are, it doesn't even matter at some point what the ideology behind this. This is just massive and complete incompetence and failure. Well, it is. It is shocking, and I'll be honest, as I have been, it is embarrassing. We are currently being embarrassed internationally on the world stage, and that is a bitter pill to swallow. Nevertheless, here we are. Okay, let's set Afghanistan kind of aside for a moment and focus on the political, uh, political messaging of it. The Biden administration has blown this so badly with their messaging and the vacation and the brief statement and no questions. It's like they took one gigantic mistake and did everything possible to make themselves look worse every single second of the day. How did that happen? I realize Joe Biden is a half-functional adult. He still has professional political people around him, I would hope. Well, that's the point, right? Our professional political class, our bureaucracy, the, the top levels of every institution are incompetent, including politically. Um, yeah, of course, it's terrible optics to have the president of the United States basically non-existent for days as these images start to come out. Then he finally gives a, a, a speech yesterday, um, and and the speech does not address any of the, the actual questions involved, right? Um, he gives a speech essentially saying why we need to leave Afghanistan, but he doesn't address the absolute chaos that is happening as he's giving that speech and in the days prior. I mean, he's essentially counting on the fact that the American people are too stupid to tell the difference um, between the, the justification for why we should have left Afghanistan and the manner in which his administration carried that you know, policy out. They're, they're counting on the fact that people cannot distinguish between those two things. And I think they're also, we'll find out in the coming days, whether Americans are more Jacksonian in terms of their foreign policy, or they are more genuinely isolationist, i.e., um, there there is a middle ground position, which is to project strength without staying for decades and 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 uh, you know engaging in projects of of nation building, but still holding the kind of respect and fear that would prevent these kinds of of Saigon like imagery coming out of Kabul or or images of the Taliban, you know, sitting in our embassy. Um, like there, there has to be, in my view, some kind of middle ground. That middle ground has been traditionally termed Jacksonian foreign policy in the United States, where we basically don't care much about the rest of the world until they punch us in the face, in which case we completely obliterate them. Um, that seems to be, to be more of the basic instinct behind the average American's opinion. And we'll see if if the average American's opinion is, is um, at this point, so isolationist that they didn't care how we got out of Af Afghanistan, um, and they don't even care about this, as you call it, humiliation on the on the world stage. Um, I tend to think that they will and that these images will become iconic. And by the way, I think that's why we'll start to see them disappear off of social media networks in the coming weeks. And the media try very, very hard to move on from this story and to prevent additional um, video and stories coming out of, of Kabul once Americans leave. I can't disagree, but I, I, I will suggest this about the American people as a whole. I think Americans, and maybe this is human nature, but I definitely think this about Americans, I think they want their cake and they want to eat it too. 
I think they want to project strength all over the world, be the world's superpower, and yet not step on any toes. I think they want to obliterate the enemy, but never see a picture of a dead woman or child. That's the responsibility of America. They want to kill all these guys, but only if we can separate them from these guys. I think they want to leave Afghanistan, only if nobody can get hurt. I mean, I want out, but we can't let it fall to the Taliban. I, I, I don't think American people understand foreign policy or conquest or the way the world works. That's what I think. Um, well, we are certainly particularly ill-suited to empire, right, in terms of, of um, the, the system of government that we have. Some of what you're saying are is just the, the, the downsides of having conducting foreign policy as a democracy, right, the necessary downsides that we accept yeah. for conducting these things as a democracy, right? It means that your, your policy is not going to be consistent over time because people change their minds, right? Um, it means that it's going to be very difficult to hold promises into the future and to be a reliable ally when those winds of political, domestic political opinion change back home. And of course, we experienced that with Vietnam. Um, we're experiencing it now with Afghanistan. I do think that there is such a thing, as I said, as a, as a middle ground here. Um, and I think a lot of that middle ground, though, does depend on whether or not the threats um, of an American president are credible or believed around the world. Um, I think we could have had, in some ways, a very similar policy under Trump, and it wouldn't have resulted in the same utter collapse because people would have been afraid that he, he would have responded, for example, by dropping a, a you know a Moab um, or, or he would have responded in some way that that the um, political class in DC would have deemed crazy, um, and and a little bit a little bit of fear of the crazy uh, can can actually go quite a long way in foreign policy in terms of of issuing um, you know demands as as a, a you know powerful nation in the world would have said the most powerful nation in the world that seems to be an open question these days. Um, and actually not having to engage all over the world to back them up because people are afraid that you might come in and obliterate them. That that like psychological fear and the ability to to maybe believe that the American president might actually just decide to wipe out all of your capabilities because they didn't like uh, something that you did. That that actually is a very powerful tool, not just in terms of getting uh, you know American interests. Uh, advanced abroad, but also avoiding having to sp send American military members to a particular place for 20 years. But that, that threat is in many ways can operate in, as the alternative to actually sort of a low level occupation for a decade. And that, that was the Jacksonian uh. foreign policy, essentially. Yeah, a little look, a little bit of crazy goes a long way. Look up Vlad the Impaler, people in the absolute forest of impaled bodies he left for the Ottomans to try to intimidate them and did so quite effectively, by the way. And Ed Stepman, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. We got a one stop shop for you for the newsletter, the first newsletter. You see, I know you get up every single morning and I know you browse all the news sites for your stories. I've done it to a million times. I've, there's no judgment here. The first bailed me out. I went to the firsttv.com and signed up for their newsletter. It's free. Don't worry. It's free. Every morning. Every single morning, I wake up to an email with all the major stories, video, articles, everything compiled right there in one email. No more endless scrolling and whatnot. The firsttv.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Time for Light in the Mood. Next. You know, fighting's an ugly thing. I'm not talking about war. I just mean good old, good old fashioned fisticuffs. 
most people watching this, well, I should say most dudes watching this is pro have probably been in a scrap or two in their life that comes with the having testosterone. It is nice to see a happy ending to one of these, though. Um. Are you done? Yeah, bro. I'm done. Let's go. Let's go. Good fight. Here you go. Glad you guys got that settled. That's how it's done, fellas. Go have a good scrap. Shake it out after. Go have a beer. See you tomorrow.